Hey, beautiful souls, it's Lexi here. Just popping in before this episode to let you know we had a little bit of trouble with the audio, and we just want to say sorry in advance for any buzzing or cutting in and out of the audio. However, this episode is very powerful. It's one that got me emotional personally, and I think can resonate with a lot of moms out there through pregnancy or postpartum or even further down the road. So stick with us, stick through the audio, you know, and um, thanks for being here. This is Soul Starter, the podcast with your hosts, Jessica and Lexi. We're two mamas on a mission to make entrepreneurship more accessible through soul-driven exploration. If you're ready to start a transformative journey rooted in self-care, intention, and growth, then this is the podcast for you. Join us and our guests each week as we explore the parallels between business, motherhood, and mindful living. Your intuition guided you here. Now let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back. Today, we are so excited because we have Jessica here, and Jessica is a mental health counselor specializing in maternal mental health. She is also a survivor of perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, domestic violence, family trauma, and also is a mama to two. She also has personally found healing through therapy, community, and wilderness, which we'll be learning so much about today, and we're so excited to have you on, Jess. Thank you. Thank you. Great to talk. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think like the biggest thing I would love to just dive in fully into why mental health counseling? What got that start for you? If you're old enough to remember, some of us are the recession that happened in 2008. And I was working at a law firm, really enjoyed paralegal work. And after that, the law firm went under and I was just searching for the first job that I could find. And I stumbled upon a treatment center for teens and I walked in there, kind of sold myself as an admin assistant, but I would finish up that work as soon as possible and go hang out with the girls. And they say that often trauma survivors are led to mental health work because they really resonate with people that are struggling or, you know, don't have a place to belong or have difficult family situations. So I could resonate with them and understand what they were going through. And it felt so great to support them that I looked forward to going to work every day and it didn't feel like a job anymore. So I decided I wanted to go back and get my master's in counseling so that I could talk to people and help them all day. It felt amazing to do that. That is so amazing. And, you know, through that venture, you became a mom yourself, it sounds like. Um, Is that when you pivoted to specializing more with maternal mental health? Yeah. Unfortunately, I suffered a really difficult birth with my first and, you know, wasn't really educated about birth. My mom had had five children, but very medical hospital births with epidurals. And I just thought, you go in, you have an epidural and you don't have to worry about anything. And I I was more concerned reading like all the psychology books I could on how to be the best parent possible. I was reading like your child's self-esteem and all of these books instead of taking a birthing class or doing anything (laughs) like that. So yeah, I had some birth trauma and 
it was really, really difficult. Peter Levine, the kind of the godfather researcher of trauma, he says a quote to the effect of, trauma is not what happens to us, it's what happens to us in lack of empathetic witness. And that really was the situation. A lot of people can go through similar things, but when they feel seen, heard, supported, respected during that difficult time, it doesn't tend to leave the scars of trauma that feeling alone, feeling misunderstood, feeling mistreated can do. So I went into my six-week follow-up appointment and I was like, hey, I'm a counselor and I'm pretty sure I have PTSD from this. I'm not sleeping. I'm not doing well. I just moved to Florida and I had lost like my support system and all the counselors that I knew. And so I asked them for recommendations and they couldn't hand me a single counselor's card. They could only give me a list of crisis numbers and basically sent me on my way. And I felt so overwhelmed and wow, like it was so hard just for me to open up about what I was struggling with and it felt so daunting to now try and find my own counselor. I did end up finding a counselor that a family friend recommended and she had several children, but it seemed that she was too far removed from the birthplace to remember what that space is like and maybe had not had a really difficult birth or a difficult postpartum to understand what I was going through. She was giving me homework assignments and just the type of therapy that she was doing, which was cognitive behavioral therapy, just did not feel personal and did not feel helpful. And I, I told her that and, uh, I'm like, I don't know if you're listening when I'm saying that I'm not sleeping, but like, I can't do homework. I, this is not helping me. So I basically had to suffer through that a little bit on my own. And then it wasn't until I moved to Arizona in 2014 that I got hooked up with the birth community here. And I started going to ICANN meetings, which stands for the International Cesarean Awareness Network. And these were free support groups that were filled with people that were trying to heal from their birth trauma and um, attempt VBAC and got connected with good providers in the community that I felt like I could trust. And I had a really great second birth, felt really empowered. And so moving forward, I was like, I really want to specialize in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, birth trauma, and I want to help moms like me. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes through our trauma and our hardest uh, moments, that's where we can actually see and give grace to others. And the fact that you get to do that day in and day out is really, really beautiful. And honestly, I didn't know your full birth history too. And it sounds extremely similar to mine. So I can completely understand by having a therapy professional, you know, a counselor that has gone through that, how much more that would feel relative to the experience that like, I needed you like probably three years ago type of thing. But that's just amazing um, that you are utilizing your hard moments and the trauma that you went through to, to be there for other people. Yeah, thank you. It feels really great. And when I can offer validation from a different place, you know, I think it does hit differently and people can tell that I've experienced it myself and I remember it very well. And I think it also gives more hope for healing and helps reduce shame that they're really not alone. If this can happen to a counselor, 
you know, I had so much shame that I know what's happening to me. I can list this DSM criteria in my head right now that I am marking the check boxes for, but that doesn't mean that I can fix this myself and everybody needs support in their healing. You know, we weren't often wounded alone and, and we don't heal alone very well. Mm. Yeah. It's making me think a little bit about um, birth stories and mm. when friends are open to sharing their birth stories. I, it's not often that I hear the beautiful story that you know, everything went according to plan. And um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's special to know that there is support when things don't go the way you had hoped. Definitely. And when you do have a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of hope and a lot of healing. And I've done a lot of trauma training as far as trauma informed yoga and brain spotting and the different somatic body work that I do um, to really help moms heal in a very natural way that is not utilizing homework in pieces of paper. It's utilizing what you have right there inside of you and connecting to your breath, which is like your lifeline. It's a current that runs through you and you're in control of that current and that current can help you heal. And this can happen at any point right after or years down the road if you're still holding on to that trauma it's not as apparent in your in your day-to-day but it's it's definitely still there yeah and there's that book you know the body keeps the score our bodies remember our trauma so even if we've done a really good job kind of compartmentalizing it packing it up nicely and stuffing it down unfortunately the next like difficult thing that we go through it's going to come up again. So it's helpful to really take the time to heal and process with a professional. Yeah. And you said something earlier, gosh, even just a couple minutes in. So if you're listening to this, go back to around three minutes. It was really profound. You said that trauma doesn't etch as hard if you have support, you feel seen, you feel validated, and you feel heard during that traumatic experience. So those that aren't supported or aren't seen or aren't heard during that, you know, what feels like trauma to them or that traumatic experience, that's where it sticks more in the body. Is that right? Would you elaborate on that a little bit and how trauma is kind of stored in the body and how it maybe doesn't make as big of a longer lasting impact if you have that support team? Yeah, um, they did a study with um, pain and trauma, and they put people through a painful experience. It was like kind of like an electric shock kind of experience, and they monitored their brains and where their brains were lighting up. And first, they did this with somebody being alone, and they they measured the activity and the the reaction in the brain. And then they gave the person the shock with holding the hand of a stranger. And then they gave the person the shock holding the hand of somebody that they loved. And the reaction in the brain was far less, um, less nervous system uh, dysregulation, less pain being censored in the body and felt during that experience. And that study goes to show us the importance of attachment and being safe and that 
you know, we are mammals. We are wired for connection. We're wired to live in families and have partners and have that sense of safety. We need that safety not only to survive physically in this world, but we need it emotionally, mentally, and for our nervous systems. Trauma is very much a neurological thing happening to us. When we have that fight, flight, or freeze response, that's a very innate biological deep midbrain experience. It is not in our frontal cortex. It's not in our thinking brain. It's an automatic nervous system taking over to protect us in situations of danger. And unfortunately, when we feel that we are in danger in some way, and it's not that, you know, other people can do a poor job of looking at a situation and saying like, well, what was so traumatic about that? But it doesn't have to be a real, quote unquote, real danger. It can just be perceived to the person in the moment that they felt unsafe. And that can be a lot of things that we experience alone. Because being alone is very dysregulating to our nervous systems. And it makes our body more prone to go into that fight, flight, or freeze response when we're struggling. Hmm. Yeah, I mean so many highlights there too just the the mm-hmm. fact that we are really meant to live in community with each other and you said mm-hmm. trauma is not caused alone and it doesn't heal alone so mm-hmm. that community piece is so important and i know that's really important to you too and how you work with people is that right yeah for sure um it's part of the reason that when i came back to private practice work i was in private practice and started this specialty when I returned back to work after my second baby and got even more engrossed in the birth community here and networking and and letting people know of what I can offer women in this space. But in coming back, you know, hospitals are such a broken system and so many people struggling without really strong places of support. And unfortunately, we don't have really strong community mental health resources in America. Um, Our community mental health centers are lacking and and underfunded and underpaid. And and the services are lackluster. And it can feel like a really odd fit for someone like you and me to walk into a place like that and be surrounded by that community. So community is so important in healing. And I wanted to be able to work within a system where people, women were getting what they needed from the system that I was in. And I needed help in that. I can't do that alone as a provider and nor should I try to do that alone or take on the stance that I can do everything for somebody to help them heal. I can't. They need a team on their healing. They need community. So moving into Kakua, which is an integrative holistic clinic, was very important to me. The fact that we have all women providers here that are all moms who all own their own businesses and who are all healers. Women's chiropractic, women's PT, Uh, massage therapy, doula services, a midwife group, a naturopathic doctor. That is all within our space here, making it one step easier for moms to get the community that they need and to get the support that they need with these other services. Trauma is very much a body-based neurological thing, as we've said, and so there needs to be other 
modalities besides therapy on board to help heal the nervous system. And just again, having another set of eyes on our moms, having another another voice uh, that they can listen to and be affirmed, another place that they can go to if they're struggling with certain points. It sounds like there's similarities to where you both saw a lack in the system for mm-hmm. support that you were needing and then yeah. took it in upon your own hands to make that change, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about, you know, my first child and the experience that I had and I also had to go find people I knew because I'm, I feel like I've tuned my body well enough that I, I know when I need support, but I didn't get it from, you know, the practice that I was visiting and had to go out of my way and find a center similar. It sounds like I was in Colorado, but, and they were the ones that said, Oh my gosh, like you could use help in a few areas. Yeah. You know, Caitlin Brown, the doula here and massage therapist, she's like, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. But as soon as I had a child, I was like, where's the village? When when does the village get here? Um, Where do I find this? And that quote always kind of bothered me because I'm like, yeah, it's great to acknowledge that we need community. But if we're not actively trying to provide that in some way for our clients or for our families that we serve, then we're failing them. We're not, we're not helping them, just telling them what they need, but not helping them find it is not good enough, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we're kind of in this phase now where we used to live in a village, we used to have a lot of community around us. And because of societal changes, and the way that the world has changed, we become less like village mentality. And I remember feeling that same way too, like, where's the village that I thought we were supposed to have? And, you know, that's also the beauty of partnering with people like yourself or having this co-collaboration piece be a huge element. Uh, But, you know, if you're listening right now and you're struggling, I, I want to encourage you that oftentimes the village doesn't always find you. You have to find your village. Yeah. And so when you go to seek your village, seek out people who are, uh, you know, are women and are moms and are supporting you in that same way, because maybe they've been through the same experiences that you have, and they can resonate and validate and understand you. And I love this co-op, you know, uh, all under one roof. So seek those types of places out. Will you repeat the name of the place that just in case people didn't hear the repeat the name that you're a co-op with? Yeah, Kakua Wellness, and it's in Scottsdale, near the aquarium. Imagine overcoming unwanted leakage, prolapse, and pain with intimacy. This episode is brought to you by Jessica, my one and only co-host. Jessica is the owner and founder of Your Postpartum PT and Wellness, which blossomed out of a true need and passion to close the gap in postpartum recovery care. Her mission is to meet moms where they are at and to raise the standard of pelvic health education and recovery care. Jessica has an awesome team. Her team has three doctors of physical therapy. She has pelvic floor therapists and pre and postnatal trainers that will help you feel confident, strong, and empowered in your pregnant body and in your postpartum body. Your postpartum PT and wellness is fully virtual So you can have a one-on-one coaching team that supports and educates you with a customized program tailored to exactly what you need. 
And the best part is they're less than 30 minutes. You can do them at home about three times a week, depending on your needs. And you don't need to find childcare, so you can just stay home and work on your body. All right, guys, if you want to learn more about Jessica and your postpartum PT, head over to Instagram at your postpartum PT and DM her the word podcast to receive a free training tailored to your exact needs. She's also on Facebook. She has a free Facebook group called Pelvic Floor and Core Rehab for pregnant slash postpartum moms. The other piece that I really wanted to touch on that I find so fascinating with you specifically um, amongst a lot of other mental health therapists that even focus in on mental uh, maternal mental health is they don't take into account the wilderness and nature. And when I found you, I just thought it was so fascinating and so beautiful that you really incorporate that as part of a practice for moms that meet with you one-on-one, but also in a group setting, which I've been lucky enough to participate participate in, but truly like what about uh, your practice particularly or what draw drew you to want to incorporate nature and mother earth and the wilderness as part of the healing practice? Yeah, there is a wild within all of us. We are all wild creatures. We have our own drives, our own instincts, our own voice and Sometimes through this world and our to-do lists and motherhood, we get really disconnected from our true selves, our true essence of who we are that wants to be free and wants to be less afraid of whatever it is that we're up against. For me personally, getting out into nature was such a huge part of my there was some things in my life that I had really struggled with for a while. And my answer to that was to always be around others, um, to not suffer alone. I was really scared of feeling pain and grief alone. But I had spent such a long time being scared of that and kind of running from it that I decided that I needed to just get out in nature and It was such a powerful experience. I believe deeply in Mother Nature, and I connect that to a higher power. But when I felt so lost and disconnected, seeing the steady pace of nature, seeing the patterns in nature, even the sun rising and the sun setting and the storm rolling in, but the sun coming out in the morning, all of these patterns were so comforting to me that there was truth there that when I was really struggling to find my voice or to believe in something that I could see just basic truths right there in front of me that I couldn't deny and the organization of nature is very fascinating and reassuring to me but I deeply deeply believe in a healing mother earth and a mother nature and I believe that that's where we come from and that's where we will return one day and feeling connected to something larger than ourselves, whatever that is, is so important in healing. In psychology, really Western medicine has done a bad job of really utilizing nature in the therapies and in Eastern psychology, they did studies on the, the, effects of people getting out into nature on their mental health 
and just getting out into nature for I think it was 20 to 30 minutes a day shown to increase people's positive mental health 20%. And that a lot of doctors and Eastern medicine physicians in Asia prescribe outdoor time, a literal prescription for outside time to people for their mental health. And I, when I was looking into opening my own practice and searching wilderness therapy, really didn't come across anybody in Phoenix doing this. Some great practitioners in Sedona and Flagstaff, Colorado, California. But I thought there are so many outdoor people in Phoenix. And if you're outdoors here, you're used to having to get up early or working around the sun. But I know that there's a lot of people that believe in the healing power of nature. And when I am incorporating a lot of mindfulness and meditation and trauma-informed yoga, taking that outside is just amazing. It's a, it's a power that you cannot replicate inside four walls, that there's definitely something larger than ourselves at play there. And tapping into that grounding, tapping into that, literally just the power of the earth underneath us and feeling the weight of that underneath our feet is is amazing and I love it so much yeah I think Lexi and I are both like heck yes yeah and I resonate so much with that too I feel like a lot of times if when I'm going to do a meditative practice or even if I just need a breath of fresh air right that comes through <laughs> in nature but just needing a reset like my go-to is getting outside and taking my shoes off and walking around like just grounding in my backyard in the fresh air with the sunlight and there's something about that within a couple minutes like I'm already feeling hope and I'm feeling okay a refresh a reset um, yeah. I so believe in that too. And just even the physics behind all of the energy sources that we have by being outside is so powerful and kind of untapped if you're not doing the work outside. It's, it's a missing piece too. Yeah, there's definitely a co-regulation that happens within our nervous systems when we connect to nature and it, it's powerful. And also in my training with Postpartum Support International, and they're talking about helping pregnant and postpartum moms with their mental health. One of the big things that they stress in their assessments is asking about the fresh air factor, asking if they're getting outside every day, that they're getting that vitamin D, that they're getting, you know, even fresh air on your face that really does, studies have shown, positively impact your mental it's hard sometimes to get outside as a mom. I remember feeling overwhelming anxiety, even just putting my baby in the stroller and walking around the neighborhood, that she was screaming the whole time, that she was very colicky, that people were looking at me or judging me. And that mom really doesn't know what she's doing. She looks like a wreck, like look at her. And and that was really, really hard. It's one of the reasons that I have my free mom support group every week. And today we're actually meeting up at McCormick Park and we're getting outside. And there's some great shade trees there and have a good group coming. But something, of course, that I'm so passionate about for mental health. Yeah, 
That's so beautiful, Jess, the fact that you offer free resources, outdoor, indoor, one-on-one session, group therapy, like you have so many different access points for all different types of people at all different types of journeys that they might be on in their pregnancy or postpartum or beyond journey too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think I'm just thinking about the beyond part, you know, because I had late onset postpartum depression and Mm. I'm talking about getting outside just alone in my labs when I finally went in um, and recognized something was wrong. It was just, I was fairly deficient in vitamin D, just vitamin Mm. D, like a simple group once a week where I could have been connecting with other moms and being outside Mm. would have helped tremendously. Yeah. 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 It's really helpful. I'm really passionate about trying to help as many families as I can. And that is something I think that is important to touch on as well, that perinatal mood and anxiety disorders often affect the family. The family is a unit and these are puzzle pieces that all fit together. And perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are also very common in partners. And birth trauma happens not only to women, but to their partners who experience these scary things with them and feel out of control and feel like they can't protect their family in the ways that they want to. It can be very disempowering. Also important to note, I think, is that I really made some sacrifices and found a way to take insurance. And that's not something that I was on board with doing, but is really important to me to try and get as many women quality specialized services for maternal mental health. And um, also in my training, I was mentored by amazing marriage and family therapists from the beginning, like 15 years ago, working in their practice and seeing them do emotionally focused couples therapy and working with families. I feel in such a great place now to not only help moms, but help the system that they're going home to, that that whole system needs support. So whether that's bringing their children in with them or bringing their partner in with them, to all heal together. That's really important to me as well, that I'm not neglecting the family in this perinatal time. Wow. I mean, that hits home pretty strongly for me because um, my husband, I'm going to get emotional. I know that it was um, hard for him to hear that I was depressed and that I was in such a... Um, Sorry, but like this is real, you know. Like this is why we have the podcast to share, to share, and like if you feel alone. But I know it was very hard for him to know that I was depressed and that I was having the thoughts that I was having. Um, and he was so caught up in helping me that I don't even know what he was going through. He probably needed something. Um. Yeah. And I, I also, um, thinking about friends who I know and myself too, I had a postpartum hemorrhage and, um, I also have a friend who was a very close call and thinking about the, the partner on the other side and that fear that they're experiencing, like, sorry, it's just like really hitting home. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
we cry on this podcast. It's okay. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it is okay. <laughs> but that's yeah. what it's here for, too. It's it? just like it's so special. So, dads, mm-hmm. you're not alone. Partners, you're not alone. Like, there's something yeah. for you too. Mm-hmm. Maybe not many are listening to this particular episode, but mm-hmm. wifey or whoever partners share it within, if, if you feel like. Yeah. It. But yeah. Yeah, I think what can be so hard is the shame that we take on when we struggle with our mental health, that this isn't just something that we're struggling with, that we did something to cause this, that if we would have done X, Y, and Z differently, then maybe we wouldn't feel this way. Or it's not normal that we're feeling this way. We should be able to feel differently. That's like such a common theme that I here every day with women in the perinatal space is that blame and we talk a lot about how this is biological that we have a lot of hormones and a lot of chemicals impacting our thinking during this time our serotonin levels our norepinephrine our stress hormones all of these things that it can feel really like our body with our nervous system and our brains with lots of chemicals and hormones are really fighting against us and I try and separate that, that this is a physical thing that's happening. Um, also, I see that people will push health to the absolute brink before making certain sacrifices that they will push themselves to. I literally had a mom yesterday saying, you know, I'm she's having some thoughts of harming herself. And I'm like, what are, What do you do when you get that way and you're feeling that way alone at night? And she said, well, I've been texting the suicide hotline every night. And I'm like, you know, I understand that finances are tight at this time, but maybe it would be a good idea to get a postpartum doula and have some help for you at night. And even if you have to you know, put that on a credit card temporarily, I don't think you'll look back on this time and regret that because what is your life worth? It's worth so much. And she's like, I really have a hard time believing that I'm worth that. And I, I've tell myself that I should be able to feel better. I should be able to do this. And so I shouldn't. And she actually like is even feeling like she can't afford sessions at this time. And it, just broke my heart. I, you know, of course offered her a reduced fee, but really I see people because it's mental and emotional pushing it to the absolute limits and not recognizing that it's okay to sacrifice at this time. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out to family members and friends and and let them know that you're struggling in this way. And you know, if it was our physical health, if we were actually having a heart attack or we have like a gaping wound that's open on our leg, we can't just deny it. We can't be like, you know what, I can't afford to go to the hospital right now. We recognize I maybe can't afford this, but there's no choice. I have to go to the hospital. I have to get this treated or it's going to kill me. But mentally and emotionally, sometimes people just can't make that decision look at it and be like, you know what, this is bad. And whatever I have to do to make it work right now, that's what I'm going to do because I could die from this. So it's something that I just don't think can be stressed enough that if you're really struggling, 
try and find a way to make it work and know that I don't think you'll ever regret that. I look back in the ways that I sacrificed during my postpartum and I wish I would have just gotten help and I would have found a way to pay for it later, but I wish I wouldn't have been struggling all those nights and days alone feeling like I wanted to die. It's just not okay. No one should have to feel that way. Gosh, I mean, I feel like you're hitting on such a hard piece with women specifically and moms Mm -hmm. that, you know, in my line of work too, I've noticed this trend over the last three years too of women and moms specifically feeling like they're not worth the investment for their own health. And I try to speak out on as much as possible. And I love everything you just said. I like want to reiterate it and echo it so loud. But if you don't invest into your health and your healing mentally, emotionally, physically, like, well, what else do you have? You have that one body, you live in it every single day. Like no matter what it takes, it's, it's worth it to, to give that back to yourself, that healing back to yourself and get the support that you can. Um, and you mentioned like, you know, even if I have to throw it on a credit card, but even if I, I know that I'll find the money because when you do make the decision to heal for yourself, you're also sending that out energetically to the world that you're worth healing. And I think that is so powerful. And that message is so powerful to share that even if you're concerned about the finances or concerned about how it's going to all work out when you choose yourself, it always double downs for you whether it's now or in a year, like it always comes back to you. It does always come back and you can't, you know, financially, relationally, emotionally, mentally, you can't keep doing what you're doing. And so even those strides that you're trying to make out for, it's, it's not going to be effective. So yeah, pouring into yourself will pay dividends. I can relate to the, the shame and like, the guilt piece of it. I think Mm -hmm. generationally our mothers and grandmothers and so on were, there were certain expectations or things were not shown uh, for Mm -hmm. the most part, at least personally in my experience, but um, it was like not something that was talked about. And so I, I do feel as though our generation, maybe it's because of social media or maybe we really are trying to change, but we're more open. Um, we're able to talk about these things. We're sharing, and that's such a powerful thing to do because we're changing what the generations before us put on us and yeah. deciding that this is not how it needs to be and that we can change that for our daughters and our children too. Yeah. We're there for them, and it's okay to, to ask for help. Yeah, I think an important thing to note is that perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are the number one complication from pregnancy and birth. That above any physical thing, I mean, this is physical as well, like we've said, but traditionally physical condition that people associate like, you know, risk for hypertension or diabetes or whatever it is that mood and anxiety disorders during pregnancy and postpartum are the number one complication, birth trauma, depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, like this is the most common. And so I think it's so important that we can't speak up enough about it. We can't tell our stories too many times. We can't, you know, just reassure moms to get help 
often enough because it's just so important and unfortunately the shame and the stigma is still there. I grew up in a very religious background where people have large families and you know it was kind of like a badge of honor to be back at church three weeks later with your newborn just acting like everything is fine and just oh they just rolled into our lives so naturally and I'm this natural born mother that I've always been meant to be and I'm you know I'm so strong spiritually and mentally and emotionally because I can handle motherhood with such ease and I want to break that stigma I want to break that as a facade I know that my mother included and so many of her generation suffered in silence and that shame they did not get help they did not reach out and there's this a saying in in my church growing up that it's it was like barefoot and pregnant that you put everything to your family and to providing for these children but not enough into yourself and not enough reaching out and vocalizing you know this is hard is this really making me happy is this really what I want and what am I trying to prove by being back in this space and acting like everything is fine that my worth is not tied to how well I mother yeah I mean with that (laughs) yeah your worth is not tied to how well you mother that's huge Mm -hmm. such a huge powerful thing to say what mothering well even means what that even looks like yeah it it is it's having grace in motherhood is allowing yourself to struggle being compassionate with yourself in the hardest days recognizing them. and I think that's amazing with social media how many accounts are dedicated to this of showing the real sides of motherhood and the thoughts that we all have And good moms have scary thoughts. Good moms have thoughts that they don't want to do this anymore, that it's too much. Good moms have scary thoughts about harming their baby. And it doesn't mean that they want to or that they're going to. They're actually really afraid of it and they have a lot of trauma. And it's the brain's way of bringing that up in a trigger of like, oh, this is your worst fear. Well, I'm going to bring it up so you can remember that this is exactly what it would look like. This is exactly what it would be like. So you can watch out, so you can protect that it doesn't happen. Good moms have trauma. Good moms have difficult family relationships, have mother wounds, have father wounds, don't have the support that they need in motherhood, have struggling relationships, are trying to figure out boundaries, are trying to find work-home life balance are questioning themselves and trying to have good self-worth and good self-esteem and and be there for their kids but also be there for themselves and that's just the journey that's normal that's motherhood it's normal to struggle it's normal to doubt and question yourself and if you are then that shows right there that you're a good mom because you're aware and you don't want to cycles you want to break patterns and you want to be your best self it's so powerful thank you so much for sharing all of that I just know that this podcast is going to reach so many women it impacts so many hearts and bodies I honestly would love for you to share a little bit more about how people can take that next step in getting support if they have resonated with you and they feel called to potentially work with you one-on-one how can they do so yeah 
So going to my website, wildwomenwellness.co, I'm also on Instagram and you can see a lot of helpful information there and interact with me there as well. I'm always open to messages, but the easiest way to get started if you are really feeling like you want to focus on your mental and emotional health and you are tired of letting these shame messages or these excuses or I'm not worthy investment stop you, uh, you can go to the scheduling tab on my website. You can schedule a free consultation call. Let's just talk and um, see if we're a good fit for each other. No, no strings or obligations attached. I also offer mental health coaching nationwide. So if you're not in Arizona, that's okay. Um, I can provide mental health coaching services still with my maternal and perinatal specialties and take care of you in the ways that you need. You can also go ahead and schedule a session if you want. Um, so that's the best way to get into contact with me. Yay, love that so much. And and yeah. especially those that are in this pregnancy postpartum space, it's so nice to know that you do in-person and virtual. Um, and if you're local, there's, you know, the group wilderness or group meetups too. But because it does feel so hard sometimes and all-consuming to get out the door with or with not out a child to find the child care, there's so many pieces to that and such um, of a heavy mental load. So I also love as a provider that does solely virtual, I also love that you do virtual too, to meet more moms where they're at in the comfort of their homes without having to burden them with all those additional pieces to getting the care they need. Yeah. yeah and it's no difficult to me whatsoever. You know, clients will text me that morning. I'm so sorry. I need to switch to telehealth. Great. Like let's hop on zoom. It's literally just one click. It's so easy. The greatest thing that came out of the pandemic, I feel, is how we're all online now. I totally agree. Yeah. Such a powerful episode. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your journey and what you're doing is so special and wonderful. And Thank you. Yeah. There's, there's many like me. We have a great birth community here in Phoenix and part of being a good provider is being tapped into your community and being able to set up those warm handoffs and those things. And, um, one of my dearest friends and midwives, Tracy Burns with modern day midwife, she said, um, wow, Jess, it's like, we're the providers that we needed 10 years ago. And that really rang true to me. And it's, brings me so much happiness and joy to be able to give this to other people yeah making such a big impact too jess thank you so much you guys as well and thank you so much for having me thank you for being here thank you for tuning in today you can find more information about today's episode in the show notes at soul-starter.com forward slash podcast we also love to connect with you on Instagram at soulstarterco, all one word. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also watch the video recordings on our YouTube channel at soulstarterco. See you in the next episode.